Hey everyone, I want to take some time today to dig into some perhaps underdeveloped thoughts, but I want to expose them here and work through them. There are a few things that come to mind as I've been thinking about what we've gone through over the last year and a half across the world, but especially in the United States. And I also want to compare that to the amount of money that we've spent and what we're getting for that. When you look at COVID in the United States, we've had over 600,000 deaths. And that number is about 600,000. And when we think about comparison points it's incredibly difficult to compare covid to anything else that's out there because covid is a pandemic covid was something that swept the entire world a dramatically effective disease in transmission between people and it was one that really took us all by storm and one that through rigorous investment, at least here in the United States, we've been able to get close to coming out on the other side through vaccinations and also through other underdeveloped means, but means that other countries have used incredibly effectively, which are testing and contact tracing. All these things cost tremendous amounts of money and resources to do at scale. When you look at the multiple packages that the United States has passed as stimulus bills or as support for people uh, during this pandemic and aimed at ameliorating the pandemic, a tremendous amount has been invested into this. In fact, trillions of dollars. This is no, in casual terms, chump change. This is real money. And it's more money than we've really ever invested into trying to tackle a public health problem. And when we look at how much money was invested into this, you can take a step back and say, okay, well, what are the other things that our public health systems are struggling with immensely? A few things that come to mind that at least seem preventable. Cigarette smoking related deaths. CDC reports more than 480,000 deaths per year due to cigarette smoking. You can move to something else, which is alcohol use-related deaths. There are estimates that it's about 950,000 deaths per year related to alcohol use. And these things are here every year. They're not things that 
come up and then fade off due to viral mutations or due to the human immune system. These are things that come up and are here constantly. And each year they kill this same amount of people. And in fact, if you look at over the the last 10 years, for example, alcohol-related emergencies and deaths have caused close to a million people. And smoking-related deaths, 480,000 times 10. (laughs) Almost 5 million people over the last 10 years. 1,300 deaths every day. And I've really started to think about these things of we look at COVID and we look at the amount of investment that we've put into place to address the problem. And when you look at it rightfully so, 600 plus thousand in a year and a half dead from COVID. Are there associations with pre-existing health conditions? Of course. Of course there are. They are undeniable. But that number's still there. And even if you want to chop it in half and chop it in a quarter, it's still 300, 150,000 people dying. I'd prefer to go with the 600,000 because I think that that's a fair way to look at it. And I also think that it's a It's something that allows it to magnify the actual impact that it has on people's lives because ultimately it's not just about deaths, but it's about the pre-existing health conditions that are going to come afterwards. And when you reduce the number of deaths, you inherently are reducing the importance that you place on it. And ultimately you only place importance on what you see. And what you see are death numbers rather than people who are developing pre-existing health conditions. And that is going to affect our economy and our entire public health system from here on out. But nevertheless, looking at trillions of dollars being invested into the result that we've gotten, which has included a vaccine, multiple vaccines, it's included many efforts to change the entire working environment of our society all of that around what has happened here and of course that is due to the nature of the disease that is due to it being able to be transmitted through the air through droplets yet i think we do need to take a step back and look at the other public health crises that we have going on which are smoking related deaths alcohol-related deaths, then also opioid-related deaths. 2019, nearly 50,000 people OD, overdose on opiates. And we're spending just shy of $100 billion a year on that. On on, on, On combating the opioid epidemic. And this is something that's getting a lot of attention from our federal government. And that is a 20 
two times less than what we've spent on COVID in just the last stimulus bill. Smoking-related deaths, we've done campaigns to get youth to stop smoking, for people to become more aware. But, ultimately, those smoking-related deaths are still close to 500,000 per year. Alcohol-related deaths, still high, still very limited policy change going on. And it's, it's frustrating because I look at the whole landscape with this and, and I see, okay, these are things that are affecting people's lives immensely. And is COVID affecting people's lives immensely? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's completely changed our society. Yet I think it needs a look from a different angle that allows us to open our eyes, perhaps even more broadly, to look at the other public health crises that we have ongoing, to look at what is happening with cigarette smoking in the United States still. What is happening with nicotine? What is happening with chemicals that are involved in all sorts of smoking? What is happening with opiates? What is happening with a continuous opioid epidemic in the United States? What is happening with alcohol? All of these things continue to rage on and rampage on. And in fact, they've gotten worse during the pandemic. Not surprisingly, but they have. When we think about the effects that these things have on people's lives, it is significant. It's very significant indeed. Substance abuse, cigarette smoking, and and the, the negative health outcomes that that leads to, the shortening of life, the worsening of quality of life. These things tear families apart. These things tear communities apart. They tear individual people's lives apart. People lose their jobs. They lose the people they love. They lose themselves. And this happens to millions of people every year. Millions of people every year. And of course, does everyone always have an opportunity, a chance to make a comeback, to learn from their mistakes? Yes. But within what I've discussed on the podcast in the past, you cannot fully blame someone's free will and all of their bad decisions on them. There's a lot more at play, which is influencing someone to participate in behaviors that have negative health outcomes, negative life outcomes. COVID's a different story in which we have much, much greater public awareness of what's going on with this disease and the damage that it can do, its transmissibility, how horrible it is for many groups of people.
yeah, there is a bit of a a split in who COVID versus these substance abuse related issues may affect. COVID is fair game. And in fact, COVID provides the worst outcomes for older people. And oftentimes, older people are people with a bit more wealth. People who have more capital to spend money that they want to spend. Freedom. And of course, we've seen COVID affect our more marginalized, underprivileged communities. People of lower socioeconomic statuses have really been hurt by this pandemic much more than people from the middle and upper classes. However, when it comes to the worst of health outcomes, who has the greatest probability of dying from COVID? It's older people. And it seems like across the board, if you're older, your likelihood of dying from COVID is, is much worse. And when you look at substance abuse, when you look at cigarette smoking, alcohol, opiates, people with the greatest likelihood of dying from these things are not the same group of people who are dying from COVID. It's a different group. It's a very different distribution. These people are younger. These people are tremendously more likely to be of lower socioeconomic statuses, to be more disconnected from their communities, to be more marginalized, to be minorities. And it's frustrating to see just the, the disparities in, in our investment and also a bigger point, which is looking at the way that Alcohol, cigarette smoking, opiates, drug use overall affects our communities. And those things that I just mentioned, they, they tend to have a, a worse impact both in terms of health consequences but also legal consequences on the more marginalized and minoritized communities in this country. We can't turn our back on that. We should not turn our back on that. And when we look at what has happened with COVID and the amount of investment into protecting people and their health outcomes and the skew of who COVID affects negatively and most negatively in comparison to substance abuse and the nature of substance abuse versus the nature of COVID. There is a question that remains, that is, what should we do in terms of investment or to changing the structures of our society so that we can better come to terms with these different public health emergencies that are ongoing? These are things that we can't afford to run away from. And in fact, if we want to have a functioning society in which 
our marginalized and minoritized people in our society, and especially people of lower socioeconomic statuses, can have more mobility and a greater ability to integrate themselves into society, to live productively, to live well, to have families, to integrate themselves into positive communities. Things need to change with this stuff because they affect millions and millions of people's lives. And with that, I'm focusing on drugs and alcohol, cigarette smoking, substances. The way that we go about this in our legal system is a big question mark. And the questions that we have around what substances should be illegal and, and what substances are most lethal, what substances are taboo, which substances are okay, that's a conversation that needs to change. And as I see the data on the comparison of the number of people who die from smoking marijuana a year, which high estimates are like 4,000 in comparison to people who die from smoking-related deaths every year, which I said is 480,000. The numbers are stark. But the person who's working in a cigarette factory person who is working for a company like Philip Morris or any cigarette company can quite easily in their conscience, for some reason, feel justified in their work and, and be able to say, okay, this, this is okay. This is okay in our world. And of course, do people make the choice to buy the product? Absolutely. But they also make a choice to make the product addicting by putting nicotine in it. They make that choice. That choice is made deliberately. And they continue to put tar and all of the chemicals into the product. And it's not just cigarette companies, it's the pharmaceutical companies like Purdue, who has gone through a massive lawsuit in which they've had to pay up billions and billions of dollars for the wrongs that they've done to society because of how they've distributed opioids and the way that they've done that through our health system in a way where the opioids being distributed are quite similar to heroin and it's fine and has oftentimes gone off scot-free until these trials have gone through and I wouldn't be surprised if things continued in this manner although I really hope that it doesn't but when we look when we look at opioids especially pharmaceutical opioids when we look at cigarette smoking when we look at alcohol use the amount of people who are dying from these things each year the amount of desperation that is involved in that, the amount of community destruction that is involved in that, the fact that these things can remain legal in the instances in which they are and sort of okayed in their societal structure in comparison to other drugs, which much, 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 much lower overdose and death rates 
it's it's wild. It's it's honestly for me when I look at everything, I'm like it's wild. When I look at psychedelic drugs on a schedule one or marrow or marijuana <laughs> being there for the longest time, but now fortunately moving off. It's a bit baffling for me and it's it's a, it's honestly really hard to come to terms with because Looking at the death numbers, why are people able to make this conscious choice to smoke cigarettes, to drink alcohol, and in, in, in a hospital be encouraged to take such an addictive substance, such as many of the pharmaceutical opioids that are given, things that resemble fentanyl, morphine. And I hope that you can perhaps hear this in my voice because it's something that really affects me. Because of just how much it affects the people who are in the worst strata of society. Whose communities are disintegrating over these things because we've seen how the CIA and the government in the 70s through Nixon and up on through have created things like the crack epidemic in the United States, which has broken so many black communities in the United States and broken other minoritized people's communities. You look at rates of alcoholism in Native American communities in this country and it breaks your heart absolutely breaks your heart. And you look and you say, okay, these are marginalized and minoritized people in our society. People who have so much potential. Communities that have so much to offer us in terms of cultural richness, in terms of intellectual histories, so much to offer society that could enrich our society and make our society and our people so much more wealthy monetarily, but also wealthy in mind and culture. Wealthy in intuition, in spirit. And we're... What sometimes feels like turning our backs a bit because of the way that we enforce drug policy in this country. And what we say is good and what we say is bad. And what we culturally accept and what we culturally deny. My most radical proposal would be to legalize everything. And to, through legalizing everything, allowing people to have effective access to proper treatment when they are addicted. And it's hard because I think a lot of people have this issue with addiction. And they have this issue looking at current drug policy to say these things are bad. Well, yes, they can be bad if used incorrectly, which unfortunately, most of the time they can be used incorrectly. Yet within all of this, 
through the legalization of drugs, those drugs can, instead of being sold on the street, produced on the street, there's no accountability to the way that they are made. There is no tracking back to who made them and to hold those people accountable. The FDA can get involved and proper ratings agencies can get involved. The market can move. And that's both from the left and the right side of political economics. And also, you'd be able to tax these things. We've seen the boons that states like Colorado have had off of opening up the marijuana market. $2 billion in taxes their first year. In taxes alone. And thinking through how we could support people to use drugs responsibly like proper adults. As Carl Hart would say, would I recommend everyone engage with him? He provides a perspective which is new, fresh, something totally different from probably what you heard as a kid. But this is a conversation we've got to have. We've got to have this conversation to say, hey, why is alcohol, cigarette smoking, and opioid use okayed in our society and perhaps encouraged in some settings? And the use of these other drugs is not. Why? Why Why can't we have that conversation? We need to have that conversation. Especially when it comes to how it affects people in the worst circumstances in our country. We've got to grapple with this. We've got to do this right. But it starts with having the conversation. I admit I don't have the answers. Do I have thoughts? Do I, have, do I feel like I have something to contribute to conversations? Absolutely, but... We've got to start talking. We've got to be willing to have the real, rational conversation and say, hey, show me your deaths from crack and cocaine overdose and then also show me your cigarette smoking-related deaths a year. Show me your alcohol-related deaths a year. Show me all this stuff. Show it to me and let's compare. Let's put them on the scale. And then let's look at what our current policies do and say. And let's look at our history. Let's look at what, we, what we've done with creating a crack epidemic. Let's look at what we've done in our history. Let's look at the effects that it's had on people in the lowest strata of our society who have continuously not had the chances and the opportunities to actually have a fair playing field. It's frustrating. But it, we, we've got to talk. We've got to, we've got to talk. We've got to have this conversation. Period. I'll stop there. That was a rambling, circling, fun adventure. But it's one that I really wanted to go on and I've been thinking about it a lot since the really middle of this pandemic as I really started to think and to really process and to dig into this stuff. Because, man, there is a hell of a lot to talk about.
So, I leave you with that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following along. And perhaps you've found value in this. And perhaps you find that you have something to contribute to this conversation. Perhaps you can have this conversation with someone you love. Someone you care about. Maybe even someone you don't like. Much love. And I'll be back soon. Take care of yourself. Take care of someone else too. And I'll be back soon. Cheers.